Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing an imminent IPO on the London Stock Exchange in Mast Energy Developments. And to do that, we're joined very kindly by the non-executive chairman of Mast Energy Developments, Louis Coetzee. Louis, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. So, Louis, as I mentioned there, Mast Energy Developments, um, currently a unit of Kibo Energy that you are CEO of, set for a IPO in the London Stock Exchange very shortly. We just want to have a quick look at uh, the company today in, in Mast Energy Developments, uh, where it's going to be operating, um, a particular source of power that it's going to be focusing on, and really the opportunity there going forward for the company. So let's start off, Louis, with reserve power. Uh, Mast Energy Developments is going to be a specialist in reserve power here in the UK. Would you be able to give us a little bit more details about the concept of reserve power? Well, I think um, the easiest way to uh, to approach it would be to, to look at how the model, how the energy supply profile and model uh, is changing as a result of uh, policies to move into uh, renewable sources of energy. Now, we, we, this is not a new concept. Renewable energy has been around for quite a while, but lately we have seen a very strong drive, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, with some very aggressive targets uh, to uh, get to a point where the entire energy supply will come from renewable energy. So by changing that, by moving away from, from, uh, from fossil fuel-based uh, um, baseload supply, uh, one is changing the whole demand and supply in the electricity networks, also specifically in your national grid situation. With a coal-fired plant or a gas-fired plant or even a nuclear plant, you can supply energy on a baseload level for 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. But when it comes to, to renewable energy, you are not able to do the same because you don't have the same predictability in terms of when the sun will be shining or not, or when the wind will be blowing or not. Now, the more you are reliant on renewable sources of energy, the more you will have this um, uncertainty, uncertainty uh, and potential fluctuation in terms of your baseload supply to the grid. And it is exactly in that space where the, the reserve power, emergency power, power like what MAST is doing is uh, coming to its, uh, to its full potential because it fills that gap between what, uh, between what the grid demands to remain stable and what renewable sources can supply on a 24-hour, 365-day basis. So the role and function of the reserve or emergency power is to keep the grid stable, to make sure that you do not have a situation where the, the grid ever comes into a position where it becomes unstable or where your baseload supply uh, is uh, such that it cannot keep the grid sp uh, uh, stable. In short, a very, very critical role and function that, uh, that renewable, uh, excuse me, that uh, 
emergency power will be fulfilling and that it will be doing increasingly so as we move more and more towards renewable energy and for as long as there are no baseload solutions in renewable generation. So, Louis, Mars Energy Developments is, is going to be IPOing on the London Stock Exchange very soon. Once you've gone through that process, what are the, the main milestones and, and projects that you're going to be enacting uh, for Mars Energy to really sort of target that uh, that problem that you've outlined just there? Well, we've we've been working on on uh, on building and bringing Mars together for a while now. Uh, we have uh, had, we had a very deliberate strategy. We wanted to make sure that we set the company up properly first in terms of all the key fundamental building blocks that it would require before we go to the market. Now, what we focused on up to now was to put in place a portfolio or a pipeline of uh, shovel-ready sites, which we can put into production with minimal effort, minimal cost, shortest possible timeline. That portfolio we have divided up in three um, categories, if I can put it that way. We have a couple of projects which we've already acquired and which we are able to get into production almost immediately after the IPO. Then there's a couple of uh, 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 project sites which we are in a process, which is in an advanced uh, uh, process of acquisition that will follow the first uh, batch that we hope to put into production. And then there's a pipeline after that of projects which we are, which we have earmarked for, uh, for, for later acquisition. The idea is at this stage to have um, the first uh, 20 megawatt into production very quickly after IPO, and then to build up very quickly subsequent to that to at least 50 megawatt uh, within the first year, and ultimately to a production target of 300 megawatt. What we've put in position around this was also a strong offtake capacity in the form of an offtake agreement with Statcraft. We've also spent a lot of time to secure and establish strategic relationships and partnerships in terms of our capacity and our capability to construct and commission these sites that I've told you about just now. And then we've also taken a, taken a good amount of time to make sure that we put in, put in place a, a capable and able team to manage this entire process. And it is with that entire package that we've now come to market. As soon as we have the IPO completed and finished, then we can proceed to get our first sites into production and to have to see first revenue flowing into, into MED. Fantastic. So, Lou, you, you mentioned their revenue, and that's something that, that uh, I want to move on to now. But before I do that, Anybody that's listening um, and would like to hear more about the, the IPO in more detail, this Thursday, uh, the 18th of February, there will be an IPO presentation hosted by UK Investor Magazine at 10.30. So in the notes of this podcast, you'll be able to find a link through to the signing up page and event page for uh, Mars Energy Development's IPO presentation. So, Louis, let, let's just now just focus on, on the revenue side of things, because from my understanding, this does have numerous channels for revenue generation. Of course, with, with reserve power, there's going to be certain times of, of high demand. But So how does that sort of filter down into uh, 
a revenue generation model for the company? I think the important thing is uh, to understand that we have at least four primary uh, revenue streams that we can access and that we can utilize in this model, which is, which is really good because it gives you a multiple uh, or multidimensional revenue stream. There's, of course, the capacity markets that we can access and which we will in terms of these site, sites. And there's the short-term operating reserve. And then thirdly, we, can look, uh, we will also be looking at the transmission network use of system charges, better known as triads. And then the merchant power sales, which is uh, typically the offtake uh, of the product. So we have four distinct revenue sources uh, or revenue streams that we will be accessing and utilizing in, in these various uh, sites that we are putting in, that we will be putting into production. I think it's also very important from that point of view to understand it's important to know where this revenue is going to come be coming from, but it's also and, and just as important to understand what the context is. And these four streams of revenue will be coming into the company in a sector of the energy market, which is the fastest growing sector of the entire energy, energy market. So we have multiple revenue streams positioned within a sector of the energy uh, market, which is growing at the fastest rate of, or it's growing faster than any other sector, and we expect it to keep on growing quite substantially for the foreseeable future. So, Louis, when we're, when we're looking at reserve power and, and the way that you're, you're doing it, it's being described as um, clean, stable and, and sustainable. How are you going about making it a sustainable form of electricity generation? Now, I want to just give one step back, if you would allow me, Jonathan, and that is to, to just go and start this answer in the strategy of Kibo Energy. Kibo Energy's declared strategy is to be an enabler, to be a, 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 a provider and a developer of energy solutions that facilitates a continuous and steady transition from fossil fuels into renewable. And that is exactly where MED is fitting in as well. It is one of those enablers. As I've explained at the beginning, if we are completely, if all our energy should come from renewable sources today, we will still have the, 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 the challenge to get that into the national grid on a, on, a, on a consistent and a stable basis. We would need to find a way of countering the, um, the fluctuation and that I explained earlier. This is exactly what we do with the reserve power. We are enabling that transition to move away completely from fossil fuel and to be able to utilize renewable sources at its maximum within the limitations of today's technology. How we will further expand on this is that we will also be using the latest battery technology. So we will also convert these sites as and when we can and as and when circumstances allow to become hybrid sites so that we supplement them with long duration storage. In that regard, we've already established some really interesting and, and exciting uh, relationships, uh, strategic partnerships, to be honest, on the latest long duration storage. So there are two focus areas. The one is to enable that transition 
from fossil fuel to renewable, but also to extend that capability to play a very, very active role in developing and implementing the technology that would be required to, to transform uh, renewable sources into a true baseload supply. Fantastic, Louis. Um, th- thank you very much. So, I mean, ju- just without going into too much detail, because I know that this is something that has a level of, uh, sort of technical terms uh, attached to it, and I'm sure it's something that we'll go into more on uh, on Thursday. But would you be able to just give it a, a bit of background to what an individual power station power plant could look like, how it's how it's being powered, um, what sort of um, energy that it will be able to, to generate and what that could mean um, for, for mass going forward in terms of how many plants you'll, you'll need around the country and how many you think you'll be able to put into action? Well, I mean, uh, emergency power at this point in time is typically uh, gas, reciprocating, gas reciprocating engines, which is anything from three megawatts uh, to a whole capacity of up to 50 megawatt, depending on the on the size of the of the particular site, so there's a lot of flexibility in there. It's, as I said, a typical site can be anywhere from three to fifty megawatts. Making use of of these uh, gas reciprocating engines, which we, as I've said in the previous answer, look to to uh, amend and supplement with uh, long duration storage, which will mean that we don't have to run the engines that long, and further reducing the reliance on uh, on gas as a, as a, which is still uh, a, a fossil fuel, or be it the, the, the cleanest uh, that we can make use of. In terms of the various sites, uh, we will continue to assess and evaluate the situation on a national level to understand where the demand is. But at this point in time, as I've said, we've already identified uh, at least um, at least the first hundred megawatt of we want to, of what we want to deploy in areas where we believe the demand. Uh, uh, is the highest and the most uh, most urgent for uh, emergency power, with uh, the first 50 megawatt hopefully to be in production over the course of the course of the first year, if not shorter than that. Fantastic, Louis! Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Jonathan. So, as I did mention, um, this Thursday, the 18th of, uh, of February. Um, do sign up to the IPO presentation and the notes um, will contain a link through to the event page. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.